0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to Armchair Expert. I'm Dak Shepard, I'm joined by Monica Padman. Hi. Hello there. Hello. Well, if anyone loves a celebrity cook, it's you.
1: Mm. Well, look, my chef's video didn't come out until a couple hours after it was supposed to come out. Oh
0: no, was there technological difficulties? Yes. Oh my God. And I was
1: on the run, (laughs) I guess you'd
0: say, yeah. (laughs) I would say you've replaced celebrities with chefs.
1: Mm, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> a neat evolution. Well, today's celebrity chef, she doesn't even call herself a chef, which is part of why I love her. Yeah. She's a cook, she says. Rachel Ray. Rachel Ray is a businesswoman, and she's a best-selling author. She's written a ton of very successful books. She has, of course, The Rachel Ray Show, 30-Minute Meals, and she has a new book out called This Must Be the Place, dispatches and food from the home front it has 125 recipes in it from her home kitchen in upstate new york and a lot of stories of loss and gratitude as we will learn yeah. she's been through a bunch this last year and a half so please enjoy rachel ray we are supported by squarespace guys we have a squarespace website that it's just gorgeous that wabi Wob, you uh you built that yourself using all the templates yeah i sure did yeah easy peasy so easy Head to squarespace.com for a free trial and save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with the code DAX. We are supported by Intuit. The technology platform that builds your financial confidence. There's some things that school doesn't really teach you, like how to handle the financial world. I mean, look, I did 16 years of school and I didn't have a single class on accruing debt or a hole that that puts you in. Yeah, they don't teach you that. No effort made whatsoever. If you want more financial knowledge, now is a great time to learn with Intuit for Education program. It has free, easy to use resources like getting a car loan with credit. Karma simulations, understanding taxes with TurboTax lessons, and even learning to run a business with QuickBooks simulations. Check out Intuit's free resources today at intuit.com/education. Intuit—that's I-N-T-U-I-T.com/education. He's an How are you doing? Where are we catching you? You have a beautiful fireplace roaring behind you. It feels very autumnal and fall-like.
2: We're doing really well, I mean, considering the last couple of years. This was a house that we built for guests. I tried to design it to make it look and feel like our home. We had our home for 15 years before it burned down. And this place, we've only had... For a couple of years. And thank God we did, because when our home burned into the ground, we still thankfully had a roof over our head. It has a big feeling to it.
0: Yeah. And
2: we've been happily safe and employed here for a long time now. So it's actually going to be very strange moving back into the home that burned down because this now feels like home. We've been here since. August 9th of last year, when we watched our home of about 15 years burn literally into the ground and into the foundation. So, mm. I mean, it's trippy. Like I said, there goes, I have mean, these <laughs> funny shaped ears. And every I'm time I you. try and put headphones in, they just fall out.
0: I'm with you. I have a very hard time keeping hold of my headphones when they're in my ears, too. I feel like my ear canal's, like, maybe pointed down or something. <laughs> yes. And maybe it's self-lubricating too much. I don't, something <laughs> makes it nearly impossible. You do
2: make a lot of wax.
0: I make a lot of wax. Yeah. Thank you for pointing that well, out. Well,
2: I suppose I do, too, because even if Food Network <laughs> 20 years ago, they tried to put an IFB in me, and even if they put double-sided tape on it and tried to shove it into my ear... If I smiled too hard, it would fall into the pan. It would fall into the food. So they just gave up after a while.
0: I've had the exact same experience where it just keeps falling out and I keep, like I'm in the middle of the game show and I'm like putting it back in and finally I just lose it and I just put it in my pocket. Like fuck it, I don't give a fuck what I'm missing. Like we're gonna have to do this like it's 1972. Like somehow it happened without these then. Yes, yes. So if they
2: can't hand signal it or write it on a card, I simply don't know it, which is wildly (laughs) evident if anyone has watched me in the last 20 years.
0: Of course, you're here to promote. You have so many projects. I mean, we could just really promote things you're involved with all episode long, but This Must Be the Place is a book you have that you've just completed. And first and foremost, is this an intentional talking heads nod or no?
2: Yeah, it is. My two favorite single artists of all time are David Byrne and David Bowie. And I think the most important band for me is the Beatles. But I chose that phrase on purpose because over the last few years, I felt like uh, John and I've been together 20 years. We've been married 16. And I felt like everything about our lives changed over the last just several months. Everything. Our idea of what privacy is, our idea of what home is, our idea of what a safe place is. Everything just went away how we deal with loss, what real gratitude is. And I just wanted to put something down on paper. I'm 53 years old, and it's the first time in my life that something like this, the pandemic, of course, happened to the entire planet at the same time. And everyone can relate to some level of just everything changing and pivoting. And so I wrote it to just chronicle that and try and make peace with it. And I also, of course, wrote about the food that changed and progressed over over that period of time too. So it's, it's kind of a weird mashup of essay, memoir of a short period of our lives, and only about a third of actually the food that I wrote and prepared during that time. I was very upset with how much got kind of cut from it because I was so proud of how much work we produced in such a short time. John and I have done over well over 200 shows with just the two of us here. And John is a lawyer by day and has a rock band by night and never <laughs> wanted to pick up a camera in his life. Yeah. And and I never wanted to let anybody into our home because yeah. I have an unscripted show. I have an unscripted life and I feel like I share as much as I can. So when I go home, that was my quiet space where I could just write and paint and play with the dog and be in the woods. I've grown up in the Adirondack Mountains, largely. I am a country mouse. It was really hard for me to cross that threshold to bring people into my last private space in life.
0: Well, hold on, Rachel, you still have the bathroom, okay? (laughs) That's still yours, unless I don't know and you've taken people in. But you do point out something that is interesting. I think for a lot of people, especially young people, pre-pandemic, your apartment or your house could literally just be where you're going to go to sleep. You're out all the time, you work, you're social. And I think for the first time where you were dwelling became where you were at 365, so I imagine People started really evaluating whether this is the space they want to be in, whether they like it, whether they hate it. I think that the big housing rush is a comment on that, that people were like, oh, I want to love my surroundings more than I ever have wanted to. And the notion that your house burnt (laughs) down, I mean, not to laugh at it, but it is, it's almost comical that in the moment you would probably be feeling like, thank God we did this and we have a place up with I'm assuming you're on property and in nature. The notion that at the apex of maybe being grateful for that, that it caught on fire, which I didn't know about. First of all, how did it catch on fire? Who can we blame? Is John to blame? No
2: (laughs) one is to blame, no, no. (laughs) Quite literally, the fireplace burped. Creosote had built up in the uh, chimney. And I had my fireplace cleaned twice a year because it's cold here most of the year. Even in the summer, you get really cool nights. And the fire just looks pretty. And I designed the house so that you could see the fire through the entire house. It's very raised into the room and a bench made Mm -hmm. out of the stone from the backyard on either side. It's very present wherever you're standing from the kitchen through the the living space. Everyone can see everyone. You can see sort of straight through there. And so I had the fireplace cleaned a couple times a year instead of once a year because Well, we just burn a lot of wood. There was a a fire that we built because it was a rainy, cold afternoon on the 9th last year of August. And a little cinder came out of the roof. And I didn't have a tin roof. Now I do. I did Uh not have a tin roof. So I felt like one of the three little pigs. Like Uh um, the roof (laughs) caught flame. And it just went into the walls right next to the chimney were all the master bedroom and a ton of electrical wires because I work with firefighters and I'm on a firefighter, Dennis Larry's firefighter foundation. I'm on their board. We do a lot of these drills with firefighters where you're fully suited and you go into fake flames and you're taught all of this fire safety. When our roof was on fire, I ran upstairs to try and gather some of our stuff and I could hear the fire in the wall and I knew what it was I could hear the fire spreading down all the cords behind the wall and I knew the wall was going to blow out and there was no time to get anything we left in flip-flops the clothes on her back and that was that wow and as we were running down the stairs a guy was there's an easement behind our house that goes up into the Adirondack Mountains and a guy was on his ATV with a cold 40 and a, and a cigar, <laughs> having fun with his friends. Uh. And he parked the ATV and he came running down the mountain into the backyard. and He's like, your roof's on fire. Your roof's on fire. And I was just starting to make John dinner. It was oh, his God. first day off since we had come there in March. Like, it was our first like proper day off. We had just finished all of the filming and taping and post-taping and all this and he went out to play golf at a socially distanced and, and all that with with two of his friends. And he came home really grumpy and pissed. And I'm like, well, I'll make you this pasta. You like this and it'll make you happier. And while I'm cooking, there's this man running through the backyard with a cigar screaming, your roof, your roof. <laughs> and I came outside and yeah, the roof was on fire. Mm. And he had already called, he said, I already called the fire department, I called the fire department. He took off before I ever even met him.
0: He said, uh, fire department's on its way, I have a warrant, good luck.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, by the time I was coming back downstairs from assessing what was going on upstairs, I was crossing the path of firefighters in full gear, coming into the house, screaming, get out, get out, get out. So he did a great job, he saved our lives most probably and uh some of our stuff.
0: (laughs) Okay, I was gonna say because you said it burnt all the way into the foundation, but were they able to save any of it?
2: It actually burned well into the night and into the early morning. Because we have well water, you can't just get tons of water immediately. So they had to use chemicals to try and kill the fire until the water trucks got there and then more water trucks and now we we actually, for the rebuild, had to actually make a pond so that there is a water resource that this would not ever happen again. And the core of the house and the back of the house is what burned down and into the property. Mm-hmm. And then once the water got there, it was very delayed. So it made this huge flood in the foundation and cellar area So it was deemed a total loss, even though on the peripheral, there were some pictures left and some things like dishes that I wouldn't use again for obvious reasons because of chemical exposure and all that. And the remediation teams that came were just phenomenal, very loving people that crawl through rubble and wreckage for people every day of their lives to try and help people save some things. And it makes you remember everything you've lost, but also be wildly surprised, like the best Christmas gift ever, when you see that something that you thought was definitely gone, oh, look, well, this picture came back. It's just a trip. And once we moved here, six days after the fire, I taught a cooking class for kids all over the world for 10,000 people. And it was so weird because that was the first time cooking in a different kitchen from the one I had just gotten used to. I had to rebuild a pantry just a couple of days and turn this very small place in a much smaller kitchen into a working set. 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 I would watch trucks go by for two weeks, huge, like transformer movie looking things. (laughs) I just watched them clear away everything. And when it was done, it was just a cement rectangle, giant cement hole, what was the cellar. That was all that was left. A few days later, it caught up again. And the last beam in the house, I thought we were gonna save my pizza oven. (laughs) No, several days later, the last beamwork of the top of the house fell into the oven and cracked it in half. Oh no! Split it it like a pumpkin.
0: (laughs) I was like,
2: all right. Just take it all, man.
0: (laughs) Well, okay. So I want to ask you like the stages of, I guess, grief or acceptance because my own personal, much less experience of this was simply, I was out of town filming a movie. My sister called and said, hey, they're evacuating your neighborhood. Griffith Park's on fire. Do you want me to go in and grab anything? And I was like, yeah, go in and get my, I think I said my computer at the time, but then I was like, you know what, no, don't go in. I don't want you going over there. If, it, if they're evacuating, just forget it. So I guarantee I'm an anomaly in this way. There was something that potentially was gonna feel freeing about it. Like I have all this shit I think about and cared t- for and put in boxes and try to go through and throw away and empty closet, it, whatever it was. I had some weird piece of like, oh, this is interesting to have zero things in my backpack. I can't imagine you feel that way, but I'm curious. Is there any part of it that's like, oh.
2: It's mixed. When it happened, we watched until about 2.30 or 3 that morning. The house burned. Neither one of us cried. We just stood there trying to problem solve. Well, now what do we do? What do we do next? How do you move forward? And Mm -hmm. it was very uh, proactive. Then... Several nights later, I woke up about three o'clock in the morning and I realized I had lost all my mom's letters
1: mm. and
2: my mom has very bad macular degeneration she's blind largely in the in the center of both eyes, and she can't write. she had beautiful script and she wrote me such beautiful letters that meant so much to me throughout my lifetime decades of her thoughts and her advice. And that's what hit me. And I woke yeah. up and I, I couldn't stop. And I had her high school ring that she gave me and that was gone. And it was things like that that bugged me. It was John's birthday that hit him on the 19th of August. That's John's birthday. My family tried to put tables outside so people could sit six feet apart. And they made this big display and had a little wagon filled with some gifts for him and i had made a ton of food and we were going to have an outdoor close as we could to celebrating life and john went for a bike ride my husband loves to ride motorcycles as as mm. as you dex mm-hmm. and
0: tell me more tell me and, more. Uh, <laughs> yeah
2: he went for a ride and he came back and he took one look at all that and he just couldn't handle it He wasn't ready for feeling good yet, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. Like he was just mourning still. Exactly.
2: And it just overwhelmed him. And he just wasn't interested in eating at all. And he just, he hit the wall. And then after that, we went through a whole process where people started writing us about their losses and fires. And we had also lost our dog just before the fire, Isabu, that we had for 15 and a half years.
0: Really quick, what was the date
2: of the fire? Did you say August something? August 9th. Uh, okay,
0: so just before your birthday, too, which is lovely.
2: Yes, my, both yeah. of our birthdays. His birthday's ah. the 19th, mine's the
1: 25th.
0: Okay, you have the same birthday as my mom, just fun fact. So that, oh, that makes yay. me inclined to like you more, <laughs> just based on that simple fact. And
1: a day after mine.
0: Yeah, yay. day after Monty's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's and I And then um, John's one day before Carly. It's a His it's sister. stars my sister. So stars, a lot of star crossed birthdays. <laughs> yeah. Powerful a lot week. Of
2: birthday buddies. I think that the fact that between the ninth and the nineteenth I had that cooking camp for kids really helped. And that we started getting so many letters and, and people reaching out to us and making us things. It's ceramics and things to blankets and quilts and stitching words of love or their letters into quilts. Like, it was just overwhelming. Yeah. And I've been in television more than 20 years and I've never had that experience where you, I read every letter and I open everything and just to feel that amount of people being concerned about you was really, I don't know if cathartic is the right word, it just felt like, hey, this is going to be okay and look at it from a different way.
0: Well, can I suggest something, which is mm. like, and look, I, I'm not saying I could accomplish this at all, but the letters for mom, they're beautiful, they're those things. But the value of the letters for mom is that mom sat down and wrote you letters. You have that's yeah. the kind of mom you have, and that's yeah. in your heart, and that's permanent. The house, it's great, but would you rather have people who around the world adore you and care about you and are sending that's love, exactly, or would you have a yes. structure like? It's really easy, I think, for us as humans to get kind of caught up in the commemorative token of the experience as opposed to, it's actually the experience.
2: Which is the entire point of the book, is that- Oh,
0: fuck. I just ruined it. I'm sorry.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Home is truly knowing that you belong to a family, either what you're born to or the one you make with your life and your work and your deeds. That is what makes you feel safe and as in the song Underneath Wings, that was why I wanted the framework of the book to be This Must Be the Place, because that place is a state of being and a state of mind. It is not stuff and things that you look at. It is the collective experience and how long you have the grace to know it.
1: Were you already involved in the foundation, the fire foundation? Sounds like, yeah. Yeah, the Dennis Lurie
2: Firefighter Foundation. I was the first female board member several years ago, and I would do these interactive days to raise awareness and money, of course, and we would suit up and go into live fires, crawl on our bellies, learn how to use a hose, go into all of the situations of course managed by actual firefighters. So that training, I finally understood I had no firefighters in my family, but for years I was fascinated by them. And I had Dennis on the show as many times as I could book him. And every time he came privately backstage, I would give a donation to the Firefighter Foundation. And he asked me to lunch one day and I thought he just wanted to do a special or you know, a couple of
0: segments start an affair you know no, who, who knows what's so on the table
2: <laughs> and he asked me to be on the board and i just burst into tears and i said of course so that gear it weighs well over 50 pounds if you're fully suited and with a tank you have to move your body constantly and you're wearing about 70 pounds uh, with the tank and in the full gear and the mask and I'm wildly claustrophobic. I, I've been mugged twice and I'm a real freighty cat in a tight space. So the whole mask thing was not easy for me. But all the training, all of that that I went through, I understood full circle. And that's the other yeah. thing that happened. After the fire, I understood why all of this stuff happened. We never wanted to build a guest house. I mean, we had two guest rooms. That's enough. Three, four people yeah. can come. Fine. This happened because one of our neighbors passed and their family said, We don't want a logging road put in here. Would you consider taking the property over? I mean, it wasn't even anything we ever thought about. All of these things happen. And then when the fire happened, I knew what the sound was in the wall. And I knew to turn and run and leave immediately. I didn't have my cell phone. I didn't have a computer. I didn't have pictures, notes, books, nothing. Just the clothes on our back. Man, I didn't have fresh undies. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: and we had just adopted from one of our trips that we support with part of our foundation money, we have these vehicles that are rescue vehicles that go to kill shelters to bring home dogs and cats from states that unfortunately can't afford to, to have no kill shelters. And we had just adopted uh, Bellaboo and she was just getting used to that house. And then, can you imagine your house is filled with spacemen with gas masks and it's burning oh. down? And she had already been in two foster homes mm. and we rescued her from a kill shelter. She was just a little puppy in this yeah. nightmare. She's 80 pounds now and just fine. Um, <laughs> no worries. And she was a giant Tootsie Roll for Halloween. So she's an 80 <laughs> pound Tootsie Roll for Halloween.
0: I'm going to propose a theory that actually <laughs> would suggest you're more equipped for this experience than a lot of other people, so bear with me. I used to be of the opinion, in fact, I was with a gal for nine years, Bree, love her to death, we used to get in these arguments because she would spend money going to restaurants all the time. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, There's nothing left after you eat the thing. Like, It's such a bizarre way to spend money, you have nothing to show for it. And then of course, Over the years, I've been taught through people who study happiness that experiences are actually what make happiness. So the fact that your entire endeavor of your life is almost solely about process because there's nothing to take away from it. Like you Mm -hmm. spend all this energy in the kitchen and you take all of these ingredients and then you basically make them disappear. I mean, you transform them into an evacuation at some point, but it is so (laughs) transient. It's all about the experience. It's an endeavor that yields really no end product. So a sculptor might look at what you do and be like, oh my God, I can't imagine not having a sculpture at the end of it, of all the work. But for you to sit and eat it with friends and to see the experience on them.
2: It is a sculpture too, in its own way.
0: But it disappears is what I'm saying. It's like, it, it's you not have, permanent.
2: But you have the leftovers and you can keep working with them until it's completely gone. <laughs> and the idea is that you can create something that might surprise someone. What I try and do with my food is what my friend Sonia Scarloff tries or uh, Adrian Christos, what my friends that are artists try and do with paint or what my husband tries to do with a song. You want people when they hear or see or eat something that you've made for them you want them to have that look of a kid that opens a christmas present they actually want it's something that truly excites them and sparks their creative notions and their energy whatever their gifts are and whatever their thing is so i send my friends that are artists pictures of my food all the time uh, you know, just something fun that I did with a bagel or something fun that I did for a football game. And yeah. they send me pictures of their works and progresses as, as they go along. And the benefit of cooking at home is that you can take a little bit of money and see how far you can stretch it. You can please people and provide for them and feel like you're nurturing folks. And, you know, John and I don't have human children. And the, the biggest joy in my life is doing a cooking class with kids or being able to provide clean water for people or support Jose Andres and World Central Kitchen and be able to feed people and to be able to pay things forward. It's just like any other person that has a creative spark to them, that's just how I choose to express myself because it was my happy place. I think just being in service period of, of any kind, but certainly growing up in the service industry Every day can be difficult. My first job was being, my first legal job was being a dish machine operator. It's a very humbling process. Everybody should have to do it for a while.
0: Yeah, but, I did it at Big Boys. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah,
2: Same you thing, dropped thing as the Howard big t- Johnson's baby. Yeah, Hojo's. Yes. <laughs> I was gonna say your mom,
0: your mom managed a hojo's, right?
2: Several, several. And I was several always Ho-Jos. covered in old eggs, man. Even dogs yeah. wouldn't chase me.
0: They probably had the fat bin, like the uh, oh, the, the everything. Vat. Oh yeah. yeah. And <laughs>
2: changing of the oil for the fish fries and clam fries. And oof.
0: did you work with any work release people? Because I did. did I they did have work not. Re- Well,
2: not that I know of, but I don't think my mom would have told me.
0: (laughs) Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, I worked with a real kind group of work release prisoners that would work that shift and I would ride my moped to that big boys and in the dead of winter in Michigan, (laughs) I went outside, got on my moped and I like slid off the seat and I realized when they had emptied the uh, fat vat, they were nice enough to just coat my whole seat with grease. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which was very kind. I was 12. It was not a good joke.
2: very much the same experience in the Adirondack mountains.
0: Okay, very God. cold,
2: very icy and fat. Well, it's summer or winter is no fun to walk on, step in, sit on or be near. But I think that people that are, are in the service industry, you have to constantly problem solve and you have to try and please people and you have to be, very resilient. You have to be physically tough and you have to have some stamina. And I think that it's a great preparation for life in general. Mm. You don't get your feelings hurt as easily as the next person. You don't take loss the same as maybe the next person.
0: There's really no time, is there? No, I mean, it's there It's like isn't. there's no time to sit around and get into a self-pity you spiral. You can't.
2: You can't. And that was never respected in my family. My grandfather was one of 14 and the four youngest came here. And the kids all worked in a pottery yard and there was a terrible fire and one of the brothers died. So they all said it was bad luck to ever go back to the pottery yard. So grandpa became a stonemason and he worked cutting and carrying heavy stone for hours and hours a day, rebuilding Fort Ticonderoga. He'd work a hundred hours a week. He'd come home and even if it was the middle of the night, he'd get all of his children, my mother was the first of 10, He'd take them out of bed and bring them outside to watch the northern lights. The skies used to be dark enough you could see them. And he would sing to them and play them concertina and tell them stories. He always would make dinner before dawn. He'd go to work and it would sit in an oven all day and he'd serve it for dinner. He was the primary cook in the family. And he lived with me and he was my best friend till he passed when I was a young girl. And everything in him was about quality of life, not what hour you have to live it or how hard work can be. It was about being grateful for having life itself and eating good food and sharing time together. And there were no set rules when it came to things like making time to hear each other laugh or share a story or share good food. There was no excuse for, for, for not doing these things. And he was Sicilian? Yes. My grandpa's from Gela, G-E-L-A, Gela, a little tiny town in Sicily that's now an oil town, actually. My mom was born here. She was his firstborn. She was always in the kitchen with him, which is why my mom ended up, I think, working in food for 60
0: years. What did your dad do?
2: My dad was a publisher. He worked for many different publishing houses over the years, so a big reader. And I bought the apartment that John and I live in, which also over the last year had three floods. Our apartment was destroyed. Jeez. Now Ooh. a total Ooh. of three times. I know, I'm la- we're like our own little plague. I mean- <laughs> the
0: universe is telling you to buy a motorhome. You just aren't listening. <laughs>
2: yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so we bought our apartment because of its proximity to two things, the Strand Bookstore and the Union Square Green Market. So Mm. I could always get great produce for as long as the weather would allow. And I could always buy books, real books. So I think that's my dad and me. I love to read real books. My husband has switched over. He's the all digital book guy, but not me. Everything. That was another big loss for me that I lost all of my books really, really hit, kind of hit me. In the ovaries, as you'd say. Yeah, um, kicked, you,
0: kicked you right in the fallopian.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but again, I got brought to my knees around the, well, after the holidays, actually, because it took a long time to find everybody. My friend who runs our foundation for us, Cappy, Andrew Kaplan, wonderful chef. Beyond the Plate is his uh, food podcast. He's just lovely man. Anyway, Cappy called all my friends that are wonderful, great chefs, and he replaced many of my cookbooks and every single person uh, wrote a letter inside them. Sabine and Jacques Pepin is so many on and like on and on, like just so many great chefs. And they rebuilt my library for my kitchen up the hill here. Oh, and man. that was really amazing. And that's the kind of stuff that gives you chills and you're like, you know what, you lost that stuff, but look how much you learned about how people actually care about you so much that they took the time to do these things.
0: Well, as they say, you don't know your real friends when the house is banging and the parties are great. You know your real friends when that fucker goes up in flames, the real friends come (laughs) up. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. We are supported by BetterHelp. Listen, I understand that sometimes you want to keep things to yourself. Process your emotions in your own time. But if you keep everything bottled up, it can have some serious consequences.
1: I have therapy on Saturday. I'm really looking forward to it.
0: I had therapy this morning. Yeah,
1: you did. Yeah, and
0: it put me in the greatest mood. We had a long, big day, and I just felt much better for it. You were
1: some... not to out you. You were a little grumpy going in.
0: I was. I was. I was to <laughs> Robin be. Specific. and I
1: received some texts.
0: Yeah, I was locked morning. out of my therapy setting, which is this attic. <laughs> Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com DAX today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot slash DAX. We are supported by Squarespace. Guys, we have a Squarespace website that's just gorgeous. That Wobby Wob, you uh you built that yourself using all the templates, yeah? I sure did. Yeah, easy peasy. So easy. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial and save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with the code DAX. We are supported by ZipRecruiter. Are there some fantastic concerts coming to your city this summer? Mine too. In fact, Anderson PAX playing at the Hollywood Bowl. I can't wait for
1: it. Ooh, that's exciting.
0: Amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com DAX. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com DAX. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. We need to breeze through some touchstones in your life because you're just a fucking hustler. So (laughs) I want to know, you grew up in the Andorondacks, as you say, your mother was into restaurant management, a Hojo's, love it. You go to New York City at 27, I guess, and then you get yourself a job at a candy counter at Macy's maybe, was it Macy's?
2: Yeah, I did start at a candy counter, absolutely.
0: The initial move, though, when you go to New York City, what is the game plan at that point?
2: I had been a, a child in love with New York my whole life. And I just wanted to be a part of Macy's because it was a part of so many big childhood memories for me. And the food hall there was so extraordinary. And I just would do anything to get a job and be a part of that energy. And it used to be quite something. I mean, it was like Herod's giant food hall. And yeah. It was a really, really big deal. And Michael Corsello, my boss, said, well, I don't know, eh, maybe I'll let you babysit the candy. And then through a series of <laughs> kind of weird circumstance and accidents, a position opened up on the fresh food side where the caviar was and the caviar wars. And the, at the time, 350 cheeses was a lot of cheese and the fresh cheese and the That's not a lot of cheese anymore. (laughs) No, it's not a lot of cheese anymore. It really isn't. (laughs) That won't even. Wow. (laughs) So he said, you're going to have this job for a very short time. I will find something and someone far more qualified to suit this position. But just do some schedules and try not to let anything terrible happen and pack out boxes with, with the staff if you don't get written up by labor. So I was not happy like that. So I let everybody play different music every day. I talked to them before I scheduled them about what kind of schedule would work best in their lives and try to figure that out. Uh, We were going into the holiday season. I had a group meeting and asked them if I could help with the boxes, if I just worked on the display area of it. I had our staff members train me how to pin bone the smoked fish and slice it properly When if they needed help. They could always call to me if someone called in, but I would not step on any job. I built a really nice relationship in the uh, fresh foods department there.
0: I need to know what dreams you had at that moment. Did you have show business dreams in New York City or Did you have restaurant tour? No, I just
2: wanted to be like my mother and my grandfather. I wanted to go to work with integrity, work harder than anyone else, not complain about it and be grateful, period. Mm -hmm. End of list. And that's the way I approached work. Try and make it fun and pleasant and put something of meaning into each day and be respectful of everyone I work with. No, the TV food thing came much, much later. Michael Corsello, my boss, left Macy's and he went to work for what was a new company then, Whole Foods. And he asked me to come and interview with him in D.C. And I would have had to travel to several stores. And I was a person who got a license, but I wasn't a comfortable driver. I didn't have to drive a ton. I lived in New York, you know, and. I would have, have to had exits on both sides and driven on that beltway. I, I, I thought I would die, quite frankly. So Michael suggested that I go meet his friend, Joe Musco, who I'm dear friends with to this day, who owned Agatha and Valentina. At the time, it was about to open, this, this big store. And he said, so go see my friend Joe if you don't want this job. And Joe hired me, and I, I was his buyer and his main manager, And I worked 100 hours a week, but so did Joe and Agatella, his wife. And they would drive me home at night, and they had a big, beautiful Mercedes. And she would sit up front, of course, the husband and wife. And I would sit in the back. So I think when I got mugged, people thought I was in a car service because I was in the back. (laughs) And the kid that mugged me the first time, I sprayed mace in his eyes Oh wow! And he started screaming when I figured out he had a gun and he had a friend mm-hmm. watching the door and then he was embarrassed in front of his friend. So he came back a week later and that's when I got beaten up and that's when I quit. Oh. And I worked out a notice, but then I moved back upstate. That's when I had to learn to become a better driver because I had to drive an hour each way to the marketplace. I eventually ended up working at and started 30 minute meals at. And when I started 30 minute meals, one Christmas, We wanted to teach cooking classes, but all the chefs wanted too much money. So my boss said, well, why don't you teach them? Your food's better than anybody else's. So I started teaching these three-hour classes where you could learn six base recipes, and I'd give you five riffs on each of those, like, six songs. Yeah. Right. A way to riff on, on these things. So if you gave me three hours, you could learn, ostensibly, a month's worth of meals. And, like, football teams would come, and bridal parties would come, and teenager would come like it became this this thing and then that became a local news thing and then that became so a So yeah cookbook. they
0: invited her on the local news and this becomes a thing and then she ultimately gets invited to the to Today show That's and right. then based on her appearances there, she gets-
2: I get Food Network. Is that a, I feel stumbled. like
0: either Sally Field would, like that's a Sally Field movie in the yeah, 80s. Oh yeah, it's so sure. crazy. Reese Witherspoon's kind of playing that on- uh, On
2: Morning Show. Morning Show. Uh, morning Show. <laughs> yeah. Like the
0: hard scrabble yeah. girl for from real. a small town. I, it's kind of almost suspiciously unbelievable, but of course it's well, the real story. a few in your life are yeah, suspicious. Yeah. yeah, but as all that's ramping up, This is my kind of last curiosity about you is is the workload is insane. (laughs) Can you see
2: in front of me? These are all my notebooks. This is how all of the work is done. Everything starts on pen and paper, and this is everything I'm working on just now.
0: Yes. It's almost impossible for me to turn down opportunity because I just wanted it so hard, and I was a really hard worker from a young age. And so I have this, I don't know, at times unhealthy relationship with like, I cannot possibly let an opportunity pass me by. If someone wants to let me do something, I feel almost unethical to not do it. And I just want to know what the fuel in your tank is. Is it similar?
2: Absolutely. As long as I can do one thing. My mom said, if you're proud of any job that you have, you have to take pride in being the dishwasher, in being the Anything in life. And no matter how hard it feels, you have to find what is cool about that and do it better than the next guy or girl could. And that gives you a certain peace because the worst thing that can happen if opportunity presents itself is that you go back to where you just came from. So if you can get to a place mentally and emotionally where you're not ashamed of that, where you're happy with that, where you're proud. -hmm. That you were brave and could try again or start over or find beauty in something that you you kind of dread, then really you can be fearless. You can try anything because the worst possible thing that can happen is that you go back to where you just were. Uh So why not try? And so that's where it gets. That's an interesting
0: framing, is that like your safety net you already have. That's kind of an interest. I've not heard that thought process
2: well that's the only way i think as long as i know i did a good job today i don't even look more than a couple days ahead in a schedule it's too overwhelming and my wheels will spin too much and i'll never go to sleep like i have to just this is what i can do with this day or tomorrow
0: you do great in aa by the way if you ever want to join us (laughs) because that's the whole bag right there no one can stay sober for their life But you can today. Okay, Uh, is there any pathology in it, though? Do you have, like, a scarcity mentality? Is it hard for you to feel safe, like you're safe for life? Because I would have to imagine, I spoke with your accountant this morning, (laughs) and we went through some stuff. You're probably safe, but do you feel safe?
2: I've never cared about money a day in my life. Not once. Oh, my
0: God. Wow. I've
2: never, ever cared about it. I haven't looked at a checkbook. I have no idea if I'm worth two nickels or a lot.
0: Me and your accountant figured out you're worth $111 million. This will be exciting for you to know.
2: I, I <laughs> sincerely don't care. I've never worked for money. i easy.
0: I'm, teasing. I'm, I'm teasing. And I've
2: given away more money than I thought I would earn in several lifetimes. Our foundation, yeah. I mean, I think we're at like $70 million from dog food and selling dish towels and pots and pans. I build our businesses, To be what I want, how I want, affordable, the best quality, especially when it comes to animals, of course, I'm feeding them. But that is what generates what I think my worth is. When I look Mm -hmm. at my worth, the number I care about is how much did we raise with our hard work and the collective creativity of all the people I choose to work with for a greater good. I have a dog, I don't have humans. I want to leave something. When I'm dead, I don't know if that's tomorrow, 20, 30 years from now, I have no idea. I want my life to have been worth something, and that's how I measure my worth. I have zero, zero awareness of my personal worth, and I don't care. That's (laughs) why I'm very careful. That's why I'm very careful about the people I put close to me and the people I put close to money. I would like them to be responsible, of (laughs) course, and know what they're (laughs) doing. Sure. But I'm fine. I knew when I bought my first cabin here after I was mugged and moved back up here and all that, it was $575 a month rent to own. So a percentage mm. of my rental every month went towards the down payment. I bought that property for $110,000. I paid for it over time with cash three and a half acres and three bedrooms, only one toilet, no dishwasher, but it was my land. That's what made me feel safe. I knew yeah. I had a place to die. Every period after that in my life, I could care less. I didn't think about the money when my house burned down. I thought about my mom's letters. I love that we had a safe place to go, but now I know why all those things happened. All those dominoes fell. I bought land in Italy over three, three and a half years ago, I found the land. I just got to work on it this last year after the pandemic, but I bought a piece of land that had no electricity, no running wow. water, no plumbing. The two buildings were a stable and a stable keep, and it was filled with dead animal carcasses.
0: Oh I, wow. It, it's just wow, there wow, was wow. literally
2: nothing there. And my husband yeah. said to it me, honey about this,
0: curb appeal. Yeah,
2: <laughs> my husband said, honey. There's places all up and down the road that say Vendese, you know, for sale. I'm sure they have plumbing. Couldn't we look at anything that has like a toilet?
0: But I wanted
2: the land. It was the land that spoke to me. I thought my grandpa would have loved it. And I just wanted the land. And I guess I had enough money to buy it, but I gotta tell you, it was kind of a bargain since it didn't have any curb appeal.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Dead carcass curb appeal. Now you're making a show about that. You have a show about building this uh, home there. How's that going?
2: Well, we already wrapped the first part of it on our anniversary, our 16th anniversary of the show, the magazine, and our marriage, all culminated in late September. And we made that the end of the first part of that story. It'll air on A&E in the spring, like full-length ones. But now they're already up on, uh, can watch 12-minute episodes of it on Facebook, which is very ironic because I'm not on Facebook personally. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can't watch it. So, yeah. but, but everybody else can. People seem to like it. <laughs> no, but it's very beautiful. And the stable and the stable keeps... I mean, it's my life's dream. When I was a little girl, grandpa would tell me all the same stories he told my mom about Italy and where he came from, but just Italy in general, and they were my fairy tales. So my life's dream was one day, if I work hard enough, maybe I can live some of my time in Italy too. Yeah. And I'm 53 and that, that's true for me. I can yeah. now go to Italy and have a bed to sleep in and that is everything to me.
0: So the house is done.
2: Yes. yes, yeah. <laughs> Sounds
0: like ours. Yeah,
2: <laughs> we're short a couple bathrooms and there's a phase two. And my husband wants to have a music studio there because he's a musician. He plays like 10 different instruments and he has a piano. He got a Fazioli piano, which is his live stream.
0: All right. That
2: is there. And does he so have a
0: Ducati there?
2: He does not. He has a BMW there. A BMW 1250 with really fat tires, it's good. Those are great.
0: Those are great. But can I give you a suggestion for his birthday? He definitely (laughs) needs a Ducati Multistrada for that that area. That's what he needs.
2: I will give him your advice. (laughs) (laughs) Next August, there may be a Ducati joining the family. (laughs) Oh, as there should. Right now, he has uh, a BMW with a very low seat. We're not tall
0: people. Okay. And
2: the tires are special for roads that have pebbles.
0: It's got knobbies. Yeah, it's an adventure bike. It's uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, because of terrain. where
2: we live, he can't get in and out of his own house if he didn't have something <laughs> like that to help him out. The Ducati's nice once he gets to the autostrada, you
0: know. Well, so, and also the multistrada I'm suggesting you buy. Same as that bike. It's oh, it's cool. got uh, it's got enduro setting you can ride off road. But he needs to be on an Italian twin. He needs to feel the, you know I what agree, I'm saying? I agree. I yeah. agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree.
1: Do you feel like people are, when they meet you, they're surprised by you based on your TV persona? Or does it, you think it adds up? I don't know. I don't
2: spend a lot of time thinking about it. I mean, I guess I did when I was much younger. I mean, there used to be whole websites called I Hate Rachel Ray Oh, and a lot geez. of chefs, uh, of course, famously, were not thrilled with my appearance on the scene because I wasn't <laughs> chefy enough or uh, pedigree enough for the gang. But that's not who you work for in life. And I try and learn every day. I try and make myself a better cook and a better host and a better uh, human neighbor, community member. And that's the best you can do. I have never spent time thinking about those who don't or those who don't care for me. Not every kid is gonna like you on the playground and that's life. And I learned that in kindergarten. My grandpa made my lunch every day and I loved it. Nobody wants to sit next to a kid that eats sardine sandwiches, you know? No,
0: no, I I don't wanna be around that kid. I'd rather sit with a glue eater. Less (laughs) smell, less smell. (laughs) Okay, Rachel, I gotta ask you one question. I'm sure this is the last thing you want to talk about, but I only bring it up in terms of how much we're all shifting out of this water we were in. Like, I I think of it most with these recent documentaries about, like, Britney Spears, like the questions people asked her when she was a minor about her sexuality and the shaming that happened. And I just wanted to know from you, there was like some controversy over you being in FHM. And I wonder now with your lens, do you think that could happen today? Do you think that was not like the most textbook example of like an attempted slut shaming? It just seems I like something that's don't so gruesome. Care and
2: I could not have been more excited. Yeah. I thought FHM meant for home or homemakers. <laughs> I had no idea what it even was. Uh, what is it? I it's don't. like and a men's
0: magazine, like Max. It was um, a men's oh.
2: magazine. And yeah. just the idea that they invited someone, I think I was like 37 at the time, like over 30 at all, yeah. it is yeah. shocking. And certainly not a six foot tall runway model, that anybody would be asked to be sexy in that sexy. way. Sexy. I thought it was the coolest freaking thing in the world. I'm very proud of it. I don't care a lick what anybody else thinks about it. I don't even look down in the shower. I've never had self-esteem <laughs> in that way. I've always been proud of myself as a worker, but I've always thought of myself as kind of a troll. Otherwise, oh, like, oh, like oh, just
0: geez. Oh, like no, a proto kind it. of a thing. Oh, oh like just no, not
2: no. an attractive human. And to be asked to do that, I thought I'm going to do this. God. Damn, I'm going to do this for everybody who's not that. And I'm going to try and embrace this for once in my life. And I am so freaking thrilled that I had that. And I still get those pictures to this day to sign them. I couldn't be more thrilled. I freaking love it and I don't give a flying fuck, excuse me, when anybody (laughs) would have shamed or thought about me then or now. I really don't care because I felt good about myself probably the only time in my life in that way.
0: Rachel, you're a smoke show. You're a smoke show.
2: That's a moment I'm not giving back and thank you. And thank you. Yes. I love that you asked me about that. I
0: would never,
2: ever take that back. Good. The first time I did a memoir mashup was when I turned 50. And there's a whole chapter in there about what an awkward celebrity I am and how awful I am at any uh, uh, circumstance where I'm forced to actually pretend to be one and I just <laughs> suck at it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like one time I
2: even told Meg Ryan this in person. One time I was behind Meg Ryan and I had to present an award at Tribeca Film Festival. And I was wearing a dress that's really low cut, and I'm such a sweater. And they had those nip things on. And I got so sweaty, the nip fell out of the bottom of the dress on, my, on one side. And I didn't know what to do. And there's nine million people in the press pool with cameras, right? And I didn't know if the freaking thing was sheer or not. So I, I did the entire presentation with one hand over a boob like Napoleon or something.
0: and I dropped my card, like the blue card oh. they
2: gave me. I dropped it on purpose. And when I bent down to pick it up, I shoved the nip onto the palm of my hand and thank God it stuck. So no one behind me could see that the nip had fallen off. Oh my and God. I did God. the whole thing with my- <laughs> hand This over is my a
0: Sally Field movie. This is a and, Sally Field movie.
2: And when I went to the White House for the last state dinner, I didn't know they were going to put us at the head table. We're at the Obama's table. I had been working with Michelle for years on killing initiatives and school food and the Let's Move campaign. I had no idea. And I wildly inappropriately dressed. It was like 85 degrees. And I had on a giant fall skirt with like autumnal leaves all over it and a black turtleneck with cap sleeves. But I was on the road traveling the whole time before, so that was all I had to wear, so whatever. I go there, I'm pouring sweat, I look like a drowned (laughs) rat. Walking into the White House, I'm in these giant high heels that I never have to wear and I can't walk in them. And I stick the high heels through all of the Kremlins and they get caught up on the giant shoe. And the lady at the check-in desk had to go find shears and cut my foot out of the Kremlin before I went down the line where they take your picture when you're about to meet the president and the first lady. Like doused in sweat, boob sweat, everything.
0: It's also a Mr. Bean movie. As much as it's a Sally Field <laughs> yes, movie. that it's is <laughs> me. I'm Bean. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: it's great. They oh, had man. to cut me out of the dress, man. Oh. Nothing <laughs> makes me panic more than high heels and somebody else's clothes. I can't handle it. <laughs> it's another thing I love about working from home all these months and, and the pandemic. I just get to be me. Yeah. I'm wearing... Jeans and sneakers and my own shirt. I'm not in other people's clothes. I'm in my clothes. And even when I went back to the studio, they worked so hard to make it look like here and they let me just continue being me. Like I didn't get pressure from our partners saying, Hey, could you step it up a little? Or do you own a dress still? I just go out like I stay in. And I really appreciate that. And it's something that. I just should have always done. I should never have done television 16 years ago where I tried to look like an anchor or a different type of host or whatever the idea of a TV host should be. I never should have tried that. It doesn't work for me. Mm. I'm best when I can just roll myself. And I always do that with my words, but it's very liberating to now do that just in general. Like, you don't like it? Okay, that's fine. You don't
0: have to. Flip the channel, baby.
2: Yeah, exactly. Switch the channel.
0: Okay, so Rachel, I've done your show several times. And uh, I it's know, so, so is Kristen, yes. Yeah, so, so <laughs> fun to do. And I guess my last question is, am I your favorite guest of all time?
2: I don't pick favorites ever with food or humans because it's <laughs> dumb, it's a dumb pursuit. But I will say your personality is something I deeply appreciate.
0: It's a fucking hard job. I don't think people realize how much is going on. I know that when I've hosted shows similar to yours, it feels like 12 minutes has gone by and the whole hour has gone by. Like it's such a stand here. Now do this. Now this segment, this segment. I have to imagine, yeah, if you have a guest that does the lifting, it's a nice little break for a second.
2: And just people that are real, it's very hard for me because I'm not a trained journalist or the type of host that works well off of, prompters or a lot of notes. I like people that want to come on and just talk and have a conversation. Mm -hmm. And so those are the days that are the most fun because you don't know what's going to happen. And it's exciting and it's exciting for the audience. And so when, when we have guests on like yourself that can roll with that and have fun with that, it's the most exciting for me
0: well let me just tell you as a guest it's most exciting for me as well i mean there are shows where i know it's the whole thing's going to be pretty scripted and there's shows that i know you're free to just explore and it's way more fun as a guest so
2: someone who was just on who reminds me a lot of you is david Duchovny. he will let the conversation go anywhere or ron howard and his brother clint they were just so fun because i didn't want to do the same six notes from the publisher I actually read the books that I'm given, like front to back, I read them. I get up at three o'clock in the morning if I have to. I like to actually show anybody who's coming, whether they've been there before or not, the respect that they deserve. Whatever the project is, I try and fully watch it or read it or learn about it or be present in it because I love those conversations. That's what makes life exciting and interesting is that if you open your eyes, That's a fresh page in a notebook. And as you can see, I'm notebook obsessed. I have Mm -hmm. 50 of them surrounding me. But I love a clean piece of paper more than the prettiest plate of food or the most beautiful painting to me. The idea that I can start a day new and that I get a fresh piece of paper and you get to write what goes down in that day. I get to write this day, no matter how much yesterday sucked or how long it was or how sick you feel or whatever went wrong. Even if your house burns down, guess what? You woke up. Now what are you going to do? That is freaking cool. And being able to go to work and if you're lucky enough to have a day full of people that I also love a day that's not all filled with people of celebrity, that it's filled with real heroes and our neighbors and just people that have pivoted in, in the right way to help each other instead of bitch at each other or complain about what your neighbor isn't doing instead of trying to help your neighbor come to a better place or closer to you instead of farther away from you. I love a day that has a combination of getting to know your real, true neighbors in your community and learning something you wouldn't hear on all the other shows you might watch a person of celebrity on. I mean, that's that's the kind of day I love.
0: Well, Rachel, I hope everyone checks out your book, This Must Be the Place, and watches The Tuscany Show on... Facebook. You're just a delight. And it's as fun you. to interview you as to be interviewed by you. So I wish you luck.
2: That is a huge compliment. And thank you guys just for making the time for me today. It's such an honor to be on your show. Like it's it's a long <laughs> list of really wow. I can't believe I made the cut. It's <laughs> oh, no, come on, come no on. it gives me chills. It's really cool. <laughs> it's amazing. And thank you. <laughs> And uh, my love to the fam, of course, to Kristen, the girls. Oh, my God, the dogs.
0: Uh-huh. Uh, you got a
2: little tripod now, yeah? You got you got whiskey. And he's he's,
0: he's yeah. down a leg, yeah. He's down one leg. <laughs> His bark is working just fine, it seems, though. <laughs> well, we adore you. Good luck with everything, and thanks for taking the time. Thanks
2: again, guys. And thank you behind the scenes for helping us make our thing work. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye.
0: Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. If you listen for a while, AG1 shouldn't be new to you. What's not new to me, I've been a fan for over six years. I have it every morning. I had it this morning. But if you haven't tried it yet, seriously, it's such an easy way to improve your health. It replaces multiple health supplements like multivitamins, digestive aids, immune support, and more in just one simple scoop. In 60 Seconds, I know I'm covering my nutritional bases and setting myself up for success to tackle the day. And for how simple it is, it's crazy what a difference it makes. It's full of prebiotics for my gut, vitamin B to keep my energy up, magnesium for my stress levels. I could keep listing ingredients and benefits all day, but you just need to know it works. So I've partnered with AG1 for so long because they make such a high-quality product that I genuinely look forward to drinking every day. If you want to find out your newest healthy habit, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase at drinkag1.com dax. That's drinkag1.com dax. Check it out. We are supported by New Balance. Whether you're going for your first ever jog around the park, getting ready for a marathon, or even picking up the pace on the last stretch before you get home, if you run, you're a runner. Whether you need shoes for comfort, stability, or race day speed, they've got you covered. Because the only right way to run is your way. New Balance. Run your way. Visit newbalance.com slash running to learn more. We are supported by Taco Bell. Ugh.
1: Oh, man. We often do two recordings a day and we have this little nice lunch break that we enjoy and we're always craving something really yummy.
0: Yes, something fresh, something high quality, something like the all-new Cantina Chicken Menu from Taco Bell, which is Mm. exactly that.
1: Mm. It's so yummy. It has slow-roasted chicken, the pico, that purple cabbage, and an avocado verde salsa sauce. Oh, delicious
0: outrageous the new cantina chicken tacos burrito and quesadilla are the perfect daytime choice try the new cantina chicken menu at taco bell now and now my favorite part of the show the fact check with my soulmate monica padman someone just brought up Burning man
1: Mm-hmm.
0: is that something you would want to go to? never never don't even want to see what's
1: I have zero interest whatsoever.
0: Okay. Yeah. All right. Well. But
1: w- w- what's your interest? If level? I go,
0: then you don't want to go?
1: Um. I mean. No. If a big group's going, maybe, yeah. Yeah, a
0: big group could tip it for you. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, okay. Do you want to go? <laughs> I do, for sure, yeah. Mm. I want to see the chaos. I'm nervous about all the dust. I don't love being in a big exactly. cloud of dust. but. Yeah, I want to see people ride their bicycles naked around and stuff. I want to see what's happening out there. I
1: get the curiosity. Yeah. I'm sure it would be an interesting experience, but I bet I would be pretty miserable during it.
0: It'd be novel. Mm-hmm. It'd be memorable. Whether or not it's enjoyable, we don't know. Big question mark there.
1: Oh, my God. this is That's a sad ding, ding, ding start to this fact check. Uh-oh, what? Rachel Ray's house burnt down. Burning Man. <laughs> it's the same thing.
0: Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay.
1: Okay, that was the craziest story ever. I didn't know that
0: that her house burnt down, yeah, she seems to have a hell of an attitude about she it. She
1: really does. I mean, it seems like she got there over time and through grief.
0: But I oof. will say, though, having never had a house burned down, i just I will say I did not want to move out of our old house, as you know, and I was anticipating missing it so much, yeah. And what's funny is I haven't thought about it since we left. This is such a huge shocker to me. Yeah. It's so weird. I'm like, oh yeah, I just walked out of there and I don't, you know, I don't like have a yearning to go be in that house. And I would have I would have guessed the opposite. I was wrong.
1: Do you think that's a um personality thing?
0: Like specific to me and not necessarily like a human universal. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, well, I was inclined here was the story I was telling myself. I was inclined to think I'm I'm the type that needs it more because we moved so much as a kid Yeah, that one of my allergies as an adult has been moving. I lived in one apartment in Santa Monica for 10 years and then I lived in that house for 16 years. Yeah, uh, And I could have moved out of that one bedroom apartment a ton of times, but I just don't like to move. It's so yeah. I would, again, I would have guessed I would have had an opposite reaction, but it just hasn't been the case.
1: I would label you as someone who has a, easier, I don't know, easier, but easy-ish time moving on from With things. change. Yeah. I think some things that you are very connected to for a long time, they end and it doesn't break you. I mean, huh. even with like Bree, those things, I think, Um, I mean, you still have, lo- and I'm sure you still love your house when you think about it, but it's yeah. not like it's not causing something in you. That's my opinion. I think in general, you're better with change than
0: well, that, you had to be. Well, yeah, maybe because there was so much change. Yeah. Right? I'm just better at it than I thought I was. But um, also it's relevant that the place I moved to is nicer. So sure. if I had moved somewhere smaller, like she's moved into her guest house. So certainly she doesn't have cupboards and stuff that she wants.
1: Yeah, that would yeah, be yeah, harder
0: yeah. if you've gone to somewhere less comfortable.
1: So I think it's definitely
0: helped that I love where we're at now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see if it was a lateral move or even one that was to a place less comfortable if I would pine for it, probably, maybe.
1: Yeah, maybe. I mean, but I mean, I guess with the house, obviously if the house was empty, that's a different scenario too. I mean, all her stuff.
0: Yeah. And I have a bizarre relationship with that as well, which I-
1: Yeah, you kind of brought it up.
0: Yeah, yeah. A little bit. Yeah.
1: I think there are things that she said, like, she didn't think about it until it hit her, like yeah. letters from her mom. Like I bet if your all your journals just disappeared, all the, that might hit you as like, oh my god, like years of thought
0: <laughs> evaporated. Not that
1: you're even gonna read it or it means anything. Yeah,
0: like I, the, the, my knee jerk is like, yeah, that sounds terrible, and then and then when I really play out how many times I've read my journal over the last. Yeah, eighteen years. I haven't. But it's
1: not about that. It's about how quickly things can come and go.
0: Yeah, I also think it's um, a lot of it has to do with how good your memory is. Like Mm. if you have a very bad memory, which people there's a spectrum of people's how good their memory is. Yeah, I think you're more drawn to the objects from the memories that can help bring you back to it. That's true. And I would say in general, I have a pretty good memory, so I I like I remember the letters my mom wrote me. Mm -hmm. I don't need them. Because I remember yeah. that and I remember a lot of stuff. Yeah. Whereas Kristen has a terrible memory, as mm-hmm. you know, and she seems to have more objects from her childhood than I do. Yeah. Where do you put yourself on that spectrum?
1: I like tangible reminders. Yeah. Yeah. I have like memory boxes and stuff. They live at my parents' house. So it's not like I'm like looking at them all the time, but I like knowing that there are like trinkets from my life
0: that yeah. have meaning and And when you're home for the holidays, I've you'll done you'll, it. you'll sift through it. Yeah. Yeah. I have a memory box in my closet and once every two years I do a show or something where they want a picture of me when I was younger mm-hmm. and then I get into that box and yeah. I'll see a couple things yeah that are that are sweet.
1: Yeah, it's nice. I have to do a shout out. Oh. Because We're coming up on the holidays, which is obviously wrapping paper time.
0: Oh, uh uh-huh. Which is my favorite time. It's your,
1: yeah. And I I bought some the other day from my favorite store in Venice, my favorite wrapping paper store in Venice.
0: (laughs) I love that you have a favorite wrapping paper store. I do. I didn't even know there were wrapping paper stores.
1: Well, (laughs) they probably would call it, let me see what it's called. Well, We could say Urbanic or Urbanic. U-R-B-A-N-I-C.
0: You're asking the wrong guy. Well, I
1: don't know. But it's one of those two. But they call it Paper Boutique.
0: Okay. So what, do they got stationery in there as well? Yeah, they have
1: lots of cute stuff. Like, it's an adorable store. Paper towel. Sure, probably. (laughs) Probably decorative paper towel. And I love it. And I haven't been since pandemic. I ordered a bunch of wrapping paper from them. And one of them was cherries,
0: (gasps) which was so
1: cute. But then they emailed me and they said, we're so sorry, but we're actually out of the cherries. So, you know, we'll refund you. I was like, okay, that's fine. And then I got another email from someone who works there. And she said, I know we've already reached out, but just wanted to let you know, like, we love the show. And one of the staff members has a personal page of the cherry. And so we're going to send it to you. And I was like, no, I can't take someone's personal stash, knowing how important wrapping
0: paper is, yes. but I and think they're going about-
1: to which is so sweet and it's so beautiful wow it's a really good store
0: oh man yeah. did you go there in person recently
1: no Or you just go there online I went it, it was the first time I bought online actually but I just then is
0: California right now yes yeah. yes okay then yes. okay, it's okay, California okay.
1: I just didn't think I'd be able to make it over there
0: right it's on the other side of the world for us
1: by the time I had to start
0: wrapping you could fly to Vegas sooner than you could drive to Venice uh, many times during the day. I agree. Crazy. You should look at Favorite, uh, see if there's any great um, wrapping paper offerings in Vegas. Okay. It's just a 45-minute flight away. Okay,
1: that's easy. I'll look. I'll look into it. Speaking of the west side, I was on the west side yesterday. Yeah. Not in Venice, but a little east of Venice.
0: West of the 405, which is the most important demarker.
1: Exactly, which means... Cause I had a massage appointment, which was lovely. Brand Mm. new place, milk and honey, awesome. Mm. Had a massage appointment at three each. So I knew I couldn't head back until seven at the earliest. Yes, well,
0: let me just I just need to break this down for people who don't live in California (laughs) or Los Angeles. If you are on the west side of the 405 starting at 3 p.m., you cannot leave. Nope. You either have to take Sunset, Wilshire, or Santa Monica Boulevard and you can't take any of those three, (laughs) you'll sit.
1: You'll just sit.
0: You'll get there just as fast as if you wait till 7 o'clock at night and get in your car. It's insane.
1: It is insane. But I knew that. I knew that going in. I was like, okay, I'm going to.
0: Be there for the week.
1: Exactly. (laughs) This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to have my (laughs) massage, and then I'm going to walk down the street and edit and get a drink at, shout out, my incredible designer. She designed this restaurant. Oh, really? AOC in Brentwood. And it oh. is...
0: Named so after the politician?
1: I think it predated the politician. Uh, okay, okay. But it's beautiful in there. So I went in, sat down. I immediately felt a little uncomfortable pulling out my computer. So okay. So I was like, I don't think editing's on the table, literally. Yeah. So I was like, okay, that's all right. I'll just eat and have a drink. And I was so lonely
0: at that dinner oh wow
1: and i'm usually very good at eating at restaurants by myself going to you know whatever doing stuff by myself yeah i have no problem but um i did have a problem and it was coming off of just having this conversation about being like yeah i'm grateful for wherever i am
0: Uh uh-huh what unique things do you think tilted it in the lonely direction like what made it different from other meals you've had by yourself was being on the west side part of it like you're weirdly not choosing to be there at that point like you're there because you have to be somewhere
1: maybe a little trapped yeah uh but not but but yes i think you're right like If I choose to go to dinner by myself, that feels like I have some power Power, and control. And yeah, I didn't. I had to kill some time. This was the option, sit in my car or go to a restaurant that I'd been wanting to go to. So I think maybe that's partly why I felt bad as I was like, oh, this doesn't feel good. But I was excited about it. Right. So that's a bummer. So I think, yes, the choice element we're at home. If I'm in London, I don't care at all because I'm exploring. I'm
0: the story is I'm getting you're to exploring. see stuff, yeah.
1: and it's this is not that. This is I live here, and I'm by myself.
0: Right. Which ironically, you would have been anyways, even if you were married, because no one's gonna go with you to the West Side all day.
1: Yeah, probably not.
0: You know, like you really would be in the exact same situation. Yeah, you would just part of your story would be. I'm lonely right now, but I have someone at home. So yeah, no, I can't. I'm not that lonely.
1: Well, which is a story, but it's also true. Like that story is would be true. And
0: what I'm th- pointing out is that you actually wouldn't be comforted real time by a partner sitting with you. It would be the abstract notion that the partner is somewhere.
1: A hundred percent. But that's if, why
0: I'm calling it a story. Like it's it's not tangible in front of you.
1: Yeah, yeah. But if I have a partner somewhere. Then that moment in the restaurant is not indicative of the rest of my life.
0: Right. It's unique and it's not permanent. Yeah. Right. I think we're getting somewhere. I think the feeling of it being permanent. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But that's what it <laughs> is. It is per- like, I think it's
0: not permanent, but it feels like it's permanent in that restaurant.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's not. It's not.
0: Yeah. I mean, you got to start backwards from the are you the one person. In Los Angeles that can't partner up. And there's no way that's that's just so blatantly not the case. Yeah. That's not the reality of anything. But in that moment, most certainly it feels that way.
1: Yeah, it's all it's all just feelings. Yeah. They're all they come and they go. You can feel empowered and then you can feel lonely.
0: Yeah. Life is a fucking seesaw.
1: It is. Anywho, that was that was my evening. Mm. How was your evening?
0: Woke up to pee three times. Went to bed at 207 pounds. Okay. 207.4 pounds. Peeed several times throughout the night. Okay. Then a transcendent evacuation. Got on the scale 201.
1: Wow. Wow.
0: Well, six pounds between bedtime and morning time.
1: That's all. <laughs> That's impressive.
0: In the, you know, a gallon of water is 8.8 pounds. So I'm imagining at least five and a half pounds God, of that was water. You're
1: so hydrated.
0: I'm uh, too hydrated. You know, that's why I didn't like um, someone responded to our theory, my theory, not ours, about not pooping when you're getting chased by wild game or uh-huh. when you're on vacation. Uh-huh. This person said, I think it's dehydration. And dehydration is this kind of catch-all thing. I think I'm, I'm going to put it on par with, like, toxins,
1: Oh, no. Yes. No, you can't do that. I'm going
0: to. Like yes. for for a decade, everyone talked about toxins. And you got to do this cleanse. get rid of the toxins, 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 toxins. And now to me, that's transitioned to people are dehydration's everything. Now, I believe in dehydration, okay. but I think it's very overamplified. So anyways, you couldn't be more hydrated than I am, I don't think.
1: You are extremely I'm hydrated. about
0: to pop usually with water. So it's just like, no, that's not, you know, a lot of people are not dehydrated when they travel. Some but people do are. you
1: have problems when you travel pooping? I don't think you do.
0: I don't think I do either, but I would explain that as I've been at 14 I was doing car shows. So all summer I went to 20 different cities in a summer and I did that for 14 years. And so I think I just traveled so much that when I'm traveling it actually doesn't feel like a novel or scary or new situation.
1: Mm. I think. Could be that. Could be that you're hydrated.
0: It could be. What I think is that the non-pooping first day of vacation is a ubiquitous, almost universal experience for people. And I don't think dehydration is a universal experience for people.
1: But it is known that being on a plane dehydrates you, which is why they're probably saying that.
0: I don't know about that. Okay, well, I've said, heard that bandied about, but I don't think there's any... I, I, I would need to know the science behind that claim. Great. I don't know what about sitting in a pressurized cabin dehydrates you. Shall I Google it? Sure. Does flying dehydrate you? Airlines pressurize the air in the cabin, but not to sea level pressures. So there's still less oxygen getting to your body when you fly, which can make you feel drained or even short of breath. The potential dehydration factor in sitting for long periods of time doesn't help. But what is, quote, the potential dehydration factor? Oh, now this is low humidity. Spending long periods of time in a climate-controlled environment where the relative humidity can be as low as 10 to 15%, which is three times drier than the Sahara Desert. Oh, okay. I maybe buy that a little bit. Maybe. 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 I think people are in... Uh, climate-controlled environments eight hours a day, most people. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um. Well.
0: <laughs> well.
1: Uh, <laughs> no, there aren't any facts.
0: Oh, I there's mean, not? I, okay, that, that explains that.
1: Rachel, I mean, I love that episode so much. She was awesome. And I was listening for some, but they just.
0: They didn't materialize. They did not. Uh,
1: but it, but it's, I, I really enjoyed her. And I was very surprised by her
0: yeah elaborate on that i heard you share that
1: i don't know why i necessarily i mean i used to watch her on food network all the time uh-huh. my takeaway was that she was very like bubbly and uh and she's not she's like very grounded to the earth kind of badass i don't know i, I blue like
0: collar. i think she's very blue collar.
1: yeah in a, in a great way i really liked her
0: i did too so self-made
1: yeah. And I, I love that. that she doesn't know how much money she has. <laughs> it's so great.
0: I know you love that. My first thought is like, well, if you don't know then people can steal from me and you won't know.
1: I know.
0: Like you're inviting theft if you don't know. But I like it too. It's how, it sounds very healthy.
1: Yeah. And she, I and I also she's not out to lunch. She's like, I mean, I hire people who right. I trust who I do hope know the exact amount. <laughs> yeah. But it's, you know, she's just decided to not care. That's cool.
0: It is cool. It's a story. Money is a story.
1: So many stories.
0: It's our whole life. It's all stories. All right, I love you.
1: Love you.